you know, it was, it was, I was grateful to be able to, uh, to have Sean allow me, Sean Fensel, head coach and part owner to allow me into the room post game to just say a piece. And what I said to them was, I know you guys are heartbroken. You know, I'm almost just as heartbroken as you guys were, are. Um, I wanted to call playoff games so bad, you know, I know how hard you guys work, but I also said, you know, a lot of you guys know about my history and my history with hard dope and addiction. Um, and I just want to say that you guys, honest to God, like are a special part of my journey and help keep me on that path, you know, and that was true in every sense of the word. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to episode 165 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Just Harper, no Casey and Chad for this one, and uh, we're going to do a little bit of a different pod uh, this evening. So we have a very special guest joining us, and uh, this man is a great example of someone who has overcome a lot of adversity in his life and uh, is certainly uh, living a, uh, a great life nowadays, and uh, we are very happy to welcome uh, the man for the uh, Kempville 73s, the play-by-play man for the 73s, and CCHL insider Brett Bonestiel. Brett, thanks so much for doing this, man. How are you tonight? Hey, every day is a beautiful day um, when you're living a great life, like, <laughs> like you said, but we'll get into more of that. Um, yeah, I'm having a wonderful day. Um, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on the pod. Yes, uh, it, it's our pleasure to have you. Thanks so much. And uh, so I, I have to ask right off the top, uh, unfortunately, the 73s aren't playing in the CCHL postseason right now. Uh, so what have you been up to as of late? Oh, man. Oh, man. And did we ever get snipped by just the smallest of margins? We're oh, talking about a single point here. <laughs> Um, and man, oh man, like I've had now twice, like I call it a pleasure because it really is, but it's, it's, it's also kind of a weird thing because it's also kind of a sad time, but I've had a couple of times where I've popped into dressing rooms, you know, after, after losses, the first one was the Kanata lasers. I can't remember the exact year. It would have been 2018, 17, maybe, um, where we lost in the, in the first round. Um, and, and then popping into Kempel's dressing room after they lost, um, the last game of the season. I mean, it's just, it is so heartbreaking to see, you know, them just miss out by the smallest of margins. Um, because these kids care so much. They work so hard. Yeah. And I mean, as a broadcaster, did I ever want to call playoff games? And <laughs> I always want to call playoff games. Um, and it was a special group in Kempville. So, yeah, it, it definitely hurt. Uh, what I've been up to, um, I mean, I work a full-time job. Um, so, yeah, i just been getting her done. And, yeah, and, and sure. then still calling some games in the playoffs in the CCHL, right, right alongside uh, Tyler, Fear, yeah. and Navin. Yeah. Um, we've jumped on board in the, in the series that you're involved with, right? Yes. I mean, what a series. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Navin is just 
right back in it. And uh, I, I got to tell you, man, I'm a little nervous going into that game seven on Thursday night in their building too. They've got all the momentum right now coming back from down three nothing. So uh, yeah, crazy, crazy time of the year. No doubt about it. Yeah, I would be nervous if I was you. I'm not going to lie. Like they are roaring with the momentum, but hey, Sammy Muller, we called him the X Factor from the start of the series. He's truly that guy. He can steal you a game on any given night. So we uh, we knew it was going to be a, go- a good uh, goaltending battle, right? I mean that uh, that Macintosh kid in in Navin is pretty special as well. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. can't disagree. Speaking of goaltenders, too, um, that kid from Kempville just committed to Boston College. That's great. Yeah, so I, I got to say we're probably the only CCHL team in the league right now with both goaltenders committed. Not only committed, they're both committed to D1. Um, right. Now, Musilak was headed to Skidmore uh, D3, um, but lo and behold, he's now going to Boston College, which is, as we all know, one of the historically one of the top NCAA hockey schools in the nation. Um, I believe they've won several national championships. Um, I mean, pretty impressive stuff. They're both from Buffalo, you know, uh, Jacob Biron is Marty Biron's son, as you probably are well aware. Um, He's headed to um, West Point, which is part of um, like the army, obviously. That's one of the most difficult schools to get into in the world. I mean, straight up, it's got like uh, out of the people that apply, um, and applying in and of itself is a task. Um, only 8% get it accepted. And you need wow. a letter from your local congressperson to even apply. I mean, it's, it's, it's truly unbelievable um, that we have both of these guys committed to D1. So, yeah, super exciting. Hopefully both of them are, are back next year. Junior A teams are always fluid in that sense. So it, it, it's, a wait, and it's a wait and see type of thing. Absolutely. And uh want to go back to, you know, uh, you said you had a couple of opportunities to address the team in, in these past couple of years. And uh, I understand that um, you got to do that at the end of the season. And uh, Tyler actually told me about this and um, that it, it got pretty emotional as well. Can, can you just uh, give us that image and, and what that was like? Well, I mean, it was emotional walking in um, because, it, I mean, there wasn't a player that was dry eyed in the room. Yeah. So you feel that like when you first walk in, because you see these guys, like I, I, I love to make it to practice if I can. I love to meet with these guys before and after for interviews or just to chat. And that's where you get the real good storylines for what we do. Um, so when you walk in and you see them, you know, crying, it is, it affects you, right? Because like, you know, I consider some of them friends, many of them friends. Um, it's just, it, it, it just hurts. And then you know how hard they work, right? And you feel more for the graduating guys than you do for some of the other guys, right? Because their junior careers are over now. And some of them, you know, unfortunately this group, you know, lost a year to two years to COVID. You know, so their junior careers were already, unfortunately, cut short by something that was completely out of their control. Um, and then to just get snipped by that one point, yeah. Um, but, you know, it was, it was, I was grateful to be able to, uh, to have Sean allow me, Sean Fensel, head coach and part owner, to allow me into the room post-game to just say a piece. And what I said to them was, I know you guys are heartbroken. You know, I'm 
almost just as heartbroken as you guys were. Are um, I wanted to call playoff games so bad. You know, I know how hard you guys work, but I also said, you know, a lot of you guys know about my history and my history with hard dope and addiction. Um, and I just want to say that you guys, honest to God, like are a special part of my journey and help keep me on that path, you know? And that was true in every sense of the word. Hey guys, there's no betting corner segment in this episode of the podcast, so I thought I would take this time to tell you a little bit about our newest sponsor, BetStamp, the line shopping app for sports bettors. Betting lines have different odds across each sportsbook, and by using the BetStamp app, you can line shop across all of those sportsbooks to ensure that you're finding the best value available on the bets that you'd probably already be making. Also, the BetStamp app allows you to track all of your verified bets across those different sportsbooks so that you can build a more credible record as a better, and it allows you to follow other winning BetStamp users so that you can instantly be notified of their picks. So click the link in the description down below to download the BetStamp app today, and when you do, be sure to provide the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH when prompted to do so to let them know that we sent you. Every download really helps us out, and it helps you out as well, so we would really appreciate the support. Thanks, guys. Oh, that's that's beautiful, man. And, um, you know, g- going back to the, the hard times and just walking through all of that, so... How how did the addiction kind of start? Well, you know, when you go, I've been through rehab many, many times, right? I've been to, I've checked into inpatient rehab eight times in my journey. Um, you learn a lot about yourself in those times. And in the end, I believe I was born an addict. Um, there's some science to suggest that the addict brain is wired differently that when substances enter our body, mind-altering substances, we can't really handle them as well. Um, there's just something that happens. It's, it's a great science, right? But yeah, um, I believe I was born an addict. The evidence maybe was with video games to start between the ages of, say, five, even with Nintendo, um, all the way up to, say, 14, when I tried cannabis for the first time. Um, when I tried cannabis, it was clear um, that I was kind of unable to use it in a moderate form. Um, so I struggled with cannabis with weed for like a long time from 14 to really 27 years old. That was actually my drug of choice from all of those years. And it dominated my show. Like I lost girlfriends. I lost jobs. I've lost apartments just from cannabis, just from weed. Right. And then, um, but the, the cannabis journey is a little funny now. I actually have kind of a harm reduction aspect with cannabis, um, yeah. and I actually work full time in the industry. But um, I made the unfortunate decision at 27 one day, just chilling with a couple of buddies. They had a couple of lines of coke on the table, and they were like, "Hey, do you want a line?" And I knew myself, right? Like I struggled enough with weed, um, and they knew that. But whatever. Um, first day i didn't even do it then the same situation happened the next day same exact buddies same you know couple of lines and i made the decision to sniff one and i'd say my drug of choice changed almost immediately with cocaine yeah um came in later pretty quickly i started using on my own i started um missing work you know um, it got really bad when I had a seizure, a cocaine induced seizure. Oh, um, 
where I was actually like behind the wheel of a, of my car at the time. Um, and I had no idea what was happening. I got out of that somehow like uninjured, you know, which was so lucky because when you have a seizure, you basically pass out right away. Um, but that really, that still wasn't enough to, to steer me away. You know, I had to start catching criminal charges almost. Um, I was almost forced into rehab the first few times. I ended up having 13 seizures, eight check-ins to rehab. I've probably spent like $250,000 on drugs, um, either by spending my own money, stealing money from employers, stealing money from my family. I've done it all. You know, like I'm in, I'm the worst form of addict that there is. I've rubbed shoulders with the worst addicts in the city. I ended up through all of it. I ended up living in a crack house, which doubled as like a, a dope dealing spot. Um, we went out at night and we did what we needed to do to get dope, you know, yeah. like we'd car hop, we'd get some change. <laughs> you know, it, was just, it was a joke. Right. Yeah. But like that being a drug addict is a full time job. The getting and using and finding ways to get more of it just sucks the life out of you. Your whole world is gray. Um, I wanted to die every given day. You know, it led me eventually to crack. It led me to intravenous needle use. I've used every drug under the sun. I've, I've shot fentanyl. I've shot meth. You know, not to brag or anything like that, but yeah. just to show you kind of where my journey has taken me. I literally rub shoulders with the worst addicts in this city on any given day. You know, I should be dead three ways from Sunday. I should be in jail, hands down. And I'm so lucky that I haven't, like, had any charges stick on me or anything like that. Very grateful for that. Um, but through all of that, somehow found a speck of like daylight, um, of hope that I somehow carried with me and that it's lasted this time, you know, because I've been to rehab, like I said, eight times. Uh, most of those journeys lasted about three months and then I would relapse. Yeah. But, you know, there's something that happened um, this last time. It wasn't even a trip to rehab. It was more just like a mindset change. And it comes down to, and this is what I really want to preach, is recovery is a four-pronged attack. And this is a Brett Bonestiel kind of um, patented thing that I came up with that I'm a little bit proud of. But it truly is this. If you need all of these elements, to have a successful long-term recovery. And the number one thing, and this is what I learned um, in some of the rehabs and some of the counselors that I worked with and some other addicts that I worked with, um, you have to love yourself. Because that's really what it comes down to for me is with a lack of self-worth and a lack of self-love for myself where I treated my body like a garbage disposal, where I didn't care what I was pouring into it, where I would escape every feeling known to mankind. Right. So when you start to gather that self-love and that self-worth, you need to start there as an addict. Yeah. Um, beyond that, number two would be you have to have support. Um, I won the lottery with my family. What separates me between the folks that I know in the wrong side of town, I'm no different from these people. I use drugs in the same way. Um, Everything is the same. The only difference is the family, right? 
My yeah. parents never gave up on me. All these people, a lot of these people don't have families to go it, back to. Exactly. It's, it's a huge aspect. Um, yeah. But that's not to say that the suffering addict that doesn't have a family can't find support. There is tons of support out there. For sure. In the forms of daily meetings between NA and AA and other forms of meetings that live out there. Um, rehabs that are there. Well, there's a lack of beds, but there's still many ways for the addict to get clean and sober these days. There's many ways. Um, you can even Google self-worth and self-love. That was a, um, a tactic that was given to me. I just Googled it and you find a wealth of information about how you can help yourself in these ways. Um, the other thing is finding a purpose. It's kind of replacing your addiction in a way, but you have to find something that you're passionate about that you can go after. Uh, for me, obviously, broadcasting is that. Um, and I'm lucky that I have the gig that I have. I still have major league plans, um, pun intended there. Um, I want to call professional games, yeah. and I'll die trying. <laughs> I'll get there or I'll die trying, Harper. That's just it, because I've seen death, you know? I I've been that, at death's man. door over 13 times, seizures. Um, those are ODs, right? Yeah. Like, that's a drug overdose in, a, in the form of a seizure. Yeah. Um, so, like... Yeah, I have my purpose now. And then the fourth element is to be grateful. And the way that I tap into gratitude now is what makes me unstoppable on any given day. Because I can go back to the feeling of what it felt like to be high or coming down off drugs and the paranoia factor that I used to feel. It was literal suffering every single day. So if I can tap into that and just remember what it was like and be like, holy, jump into it or feel good right now. Yeah. It's an easy thing for me to do. And I tap into it every single day and I love it. So those four things, self-love, support, finding a purpose, and then also being grateful. That's the recipe to, to, to this battle. Oh, uh, Brett, I, I, I can't agree more uh, with, with all of those. Uh, well, well said, man. And I just, I, I, I can't imagine just going through all of those things that, that you mentioned. And, and there is a lot there. Um, yeah, I, I just, wow, that's, uh, that's absolutely amazing. Um, September 12th, 2022, how much does that date mean to you? A lot. I mean, that's everything to me. That's, um, what, 569 days ago, 18 months ago. Um, yeah, I mean, that day means everything to me, you know? If, 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 if my folks didn't hate tattoos so much, I might <laughs> tattoo it on my body. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Uh, well, hey, hey I, I feel like, uh, I feel like they, they'd maybe let something like that slide for you to get, to get inked on. <laughs> you have to ask them that please <laughs> they are quite anti-tattoo but that's a, it's all good yeah. hey man my, my parents are uh, kind of against it too believe me um, you, you mentioned just your passion for broadcasting I mean that is evident it's clear as day your, your passion for that and calling games how did you get started and um, just yeah, like to go back to that and how you got started and kind of found that passion. Appreciate that question. Um, honestly, road hockey was the original, you know, um, catalyst for that. We'd be out in the in the road playing road hockey in a neighborhood, and like, you know, I'd be going like 
Dustin over to uh, Mike over to Evan's stores, you know, type of thing. So, and then like, you know, I started recording myself, like I'm an 86 born, so I'm almost 37 years old. I would record myself on tape deck, like pretending to call. I was a big St. Louis blues fan at the time, a big Brett Hull fan, just because he shared my first name. Nice. Um, I would call like fake St. Louis blues broadcasts on tape. And then I do it to video games, right? I played a lot of NHL video games growing up. I do it to that. And like, so it was always a passion almost from, almost from childhood, to be honest. Uh, then I jumped in with Algonquin's TV broadcasting program eventually. Um, from there, I got the opportunity to call the Canada Lasers. And that kind of got me in the door to actually calling play-by-play. Um, with Algonquin, we called a number of different sports as well, including like basketball, yeah. uh, soccer, volleyball. I've done some go-kart broadcasting for Rogers, some oh, ultimate cool. frisbee stuff. So, but yeah, um, that's where it kind of started was way back in childhood and then getting into Algonquin and with the Catalasers. And now a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Whether you're staying active or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, it's non-GMO, and it's free from gluten, dairy, and soy. There are plenty of awesome flavors, but my personal favorite right now is lemon lime. So get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at checkout. That's 20% off anything in the store when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today with Liquid IV. This podcast is also sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. That's uh that's awesome, man. I loved uh like the the start right from childhood because I I, I did similar things too. Like all my buddies would where I lived in in Brockville, we had a big cul-de-sac at the end of the of our street. So we would play road hockey with with our friends, my younger brother and I, every single weekend, and I'd be doing the same thing, man, like calling out everybody's names and doing the play-by-play. I would even be doing it by myself just out there. The neighbors probably thought I was crazy or something, but uh, I would uh, I would do that too. So that's funny that uh, that you did that as uh, as a child. Um, you won the uh, Chris Messina broadcasting award back in 2018-19 how much did that mean to you oh like i i loved winning that award um that it means it means a lot still means a lot to this day unfortunately between that there was a lot of pain for me um you know i went right back to using dope um in fact i was probably using drugs like intermittently um or on and off between different points of quitting and stuff like that but yeah 
Um, so there's been a lot of pain in between that award and right now. Um, but yeah, no, that meant a lot because I, I worked hard for it, you know? Absolutely. It was, I, I, I kind of put it on myself. No one, you know, taught me the tools of the trade of this, of this gig. I kind of am self-taught in a lot of ways. Like, I remember when I was with the Lasers, I went and found Jeff Jordan at the time was the head coach. And, uh, you know, he was only a few years older than I was. Um, and I said, hey, Jeff, you know, I'm like, are you the coach here? And he said, you know, big smile on his face, welcomed me with open arms. Nice. You know, and that got me into the idea of like interviewing coaches pregame. Got me eventually into the rooms, got me talking to players, got me doing bench side interviews, uh, postgame stuff. So I started working really hard for it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I started pouring a lot of effort into it. I started working on my craft a lot. So I wanted the award badly and I, and I was lucky enough to, to receive it. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that's awesome, man. Um, you got to call a game with your dad a few weeks back. How was that? And uh, just, you know, you, you mentioned that you won the lottery with your family and the support and uh, your, your dad specifically. Um, how much is, has he meant to you uh, throughout your journey here? And what was oh, that like to call a game with him a couple of weeks ago? No, man. Like, I honestly, like, I'm already a shaky guy, but, like, I'm shaking right, right now just talking about this subject. My, my dad, well, both my parents, my whole family, and my older sister um, have supported me since day one. Um, my dad especially is my number one fan. Um, okay, it's going to be a tough one for me, my man. It's um, okay, man. You know, my dad like almost got me started broadcasting because he would be alongside calling the games in road hockey just as much. He's a thirty-year phys ed teacher, you know, loved by by thousands of people, thousands of students across his career. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So to to have him agree to come on the broadcast, which he was maybe a little gun shy to do, but he's an outgoing guy in the end. So, man, that means everything, right? Like. It was so cool to have that happen. And I mean, it, it's happened in the professional world, right? Like Foster Hewitt and uh, I believe his son called games together in the NHL. Yeah. You know, um, not to compare the Hewitt to the Bonifields here, but uh, um, it was really, really special. It was a lot of fun. He did great. Um, unfortunately, that was the, the last game of the season where we, <laughs> where we lost in regulation and and couldn't get it done, but uh, man, yeah, I'll never forget it. Really, really special. And if it wasn't for my dad, I would either be dead in jail or still using dope. There is no doubt in my mind. No question about that one. I I totally get it, man. Like I, I'm super tight with my dad as well. I don't know what I would do without him, and. Um... Geez, that's the, that's an amazing answer. Um, you know, our we're we're so lucky to to have that family support because, as you said off the top, a, a lot don't. And I mean, you can find support in other ways, but there's just something about having that immediate family support. And uh, I even just seeing the pictures of of you and your dad calling that uh, calling the game a couple of weeks ago. It just it looked like the two of you were were just on cloud nine just having a blast together and i'm sure it won't be the last time that you guys get to do a game together for sure 
Yeah, no, I want to have him back uh, next year. So uh, expect, it, expect it to happen. But yeah, I mean, unforgettable. Um, we got so much love for it um, on social media and stuff like that. So yeah, I'll never forget it. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how how are you feeling? Again, like these days, I mean, you, you look great. It, it's been, geez, it's been almost two years now that you've been stone cold sober and happy and in a good place. How are you feeling these days? Yeah, um, I feel amazing. It is night and day. Like, I'm, I'm not a big dude, right? Like, I'm like 145 pounds right now, but in the peak of my addiction, I was literally 113 soaking wet. Like, I was withering away. So I've gained like 30 pounds, uh, mostly muscle because uh, hitting the gym on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, the diet, I mean, like, the diet goes non-existent when you're on crack and coke. You cannot eat. Um, <laughs> so, you know, ev- everything's there for me. You know, I have a great sleep schedule. All the fundamentals are there, which I, which I focus a lot on, Harper. Honestly, God, it seems simple, but, like, diet, sleep, exercise. Um, Important things, those man. Things, those things keep me fueled, you know? Yeah. Um, but I feel amazing. I talk about that gratitude aspect. I tap into that all effing day long. And it's so fun to do. Like for me, like I believe that addicts in recovery have a slight advantage if you tap into the right mindset. Like good luck stopping me because I've been through it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I'm going to die trying to get a seat in the NHL calling games. This is the way it is. Like, you know, and because I have a relentless uh, pursuit, you know, I failed so many times that I might as well continue to fail. So, yeah, feeling, feeling great. Thank you. We, uh, oh, that's, that's great to hear, man. And, you know, however old we are in our lives, we never stop learning, right? We never stop trying to, we never stop failing and all of that. And, and like you said, I, you know, I'm with it. You've, you've, you've been at your rock bottom. You've been at your lowest. And so, um, you're, you're going to scratch and claw to get to where you want to go to. Absolutely. Yeah. And I believe I can hit another gear. Um, but, the 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 baseline aspect is that I'm not out there trying to snag dope today because that game is life or death for me. Yeah. Um, I can honestly tell you I've never spent a day in a jail cell or in prison, even though I should have. Um, I've spent day, lots of days in inpatient rehab, and one of them was a very actually jail-centric focus. Okay. group where 90 plus percent of the guys were literally bailed out of prison or jail. But what I'm trying to get at here is that I would literally rather be sober in jail than addicted out here because being an addict in, from what I experienced is an absolute prison sentence oh. and it's friggin' brutal. So it's life or death for me. Um, as long as I'm not out there using drugs, then like I'm off to the races. Absolutely. Well said. I, I love that, man. And, and uh, we'll, we'll end on this. Um, I, I'm sure you've helped out others along the way that have had these struggles with addiction. Um, just to, to someone who you don't know who is struggling right now with addiction, what would you say to them? Well, you can't give up. Um, oh, that... 
in the end, it's on you. <laughs> and it's, it's a little harsh to say, um, but that's the truth is that like, in the end, it's actually on the addict to want to be clean and sober. Now, there are a lot of things that need to happen to get to that point. Most addicts need extra help, whether that be in the form of meetings. I know lots of addicts that have gotten clean just with NA and AA, and they were on the ropes of death. Um, I know lots of addicts that needed several inpatient rehabs. I had eight entries. I don't know many that had more than me. Um, so my journey needed all that. But in the end, right, I didn't use this last one. I didn't go to rehab. I, you need that four-pronged attack. You need to love yourself. You need to have support. And there's ways you can find it. You can go to your local NA and AA, and there are hundreds of meetings in any given city. So there's no excuse there, really. Um, there's other forms of it. If you don't like the NAAA model, there are other forms, including smart recovery, which is more of like a cognitive behavioral therapy approach. Um, very, very good meetings. Um, you know, so there's lots of support. You can reach out to your friends on, on, on your phone. Yeah. That's one of my greatest forms of support. I have a couple buddies that I text early in the morning. We're talking 4 to 6 a.m. And we talk a little bit of recovery and it gets the day started off well. Um, so there's awesome. lots of ways to, to utilize that. Find your purpose, you know, whatever that is. It could yeah. be simple, simple things, but uh, find it and utilize it. it could be someone. Um, and then be grateful. Realize where you were before. Um, and know that it's just, know that it's possible because it is, you know, my story is intense. But I know stories that are far more intense than mine, you oh. know, that have made it through and done it. So it's possible. Keep believing. Um, but you've got to put in some hard friggin' work to do this. No kidding. You know, it's not easy, but it's friggin' worth it, man. Like, ole. <laughs> yeah, it's so worth it. Absolutely. Oh, that's, uh, you're, you're an amazing story. It's, it's uh, been a, a pleasure getting to know you and i look forward to continuing to get to know you of course we uh we had our initial sort of uh meet and and handshake and chat a couple of weeks ago in in brockville when the 73s were in town and then for you to come on and and share your story and your journey and where you're at today on our platform um we're we're very honored and privileged so brett thank you so much you are um a, you're an inspiration you are a story of fighting through adversity and rising above the lowest and um we, we've got all the time in the world for that so uh Keep your head up and keep going, man. You do a fantastic job in the CCHL and looking forward to getting to know you more, my friend. Thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Hey, highly appreciate it. It was wonderful to meet you as well a couple of weeks ago. And like I said to you via text last night, like I was really impressed with the work that you did like on the call uh, um, the last or, or this series, right? A lot of guys are rushed and you have a nice patient flow, which works. Um, you're well-versed, you know, and, and, you know, another thing that you do Harper that a lot of guys don't do is you tell little stories about guys, whether it be where they come from, what they had for dinner, you know, those types of little anecdotal things. Um, so honestly, back at you, great job with the league and with the Brockville Braves. It's refreshing to see, um, back when I started in this league, 
the quality wasn't as good as it is now. We have a lot better guys uh, calling games now. Um, just the quality-wise across the league is, is much higher now, so it's exciting to see. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we, we have a great network of announcers, and uh, th- thank you for those kind words. Uh, that that means the world, especially coming from someone like yourself, Brett. I, I really appreciate that. And uh, again, just thank you so much for taking time out of your uh, out of your busy schedule to sit down with us today and hearing your story. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much, man. My pleasure. My pleasure. If I can help just one more human down the line, it makes it all worth it. That's the that's the like the best part about this whole thing, the whole journey. And uh, you uh, you give us a shout, and we we'd love to post something when uh, you hit that two year mark in uh, in in September, right? Not too long from now. Sure enough, yeah, right on. That's Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Really appreciate it. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.